Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to David Cicerelli, the CEO of VoiceOver Marketplace, Voices.com. Now stand by for a masterclass on hiring a voiceover for your next project. Thanks for downloading. Now, we're producing more content than ever before, and a lot of that content has an audio element to it. I'm kind of thinking video and podcasts and even the messaging on our phone systems as well. So it's well worth hiring a professional voiceover to make sure your content sounds great. In this episode, I'm talking to David Cicerelli, the CEO of VoiceOver Marketplace, Voices.com. Stand by for a huge amount of tips and advice on how to hire a voiceover. We talk about matching voices to our brand, creating sonic guidelines, which is very cool, and also about how the recording process actually works. You can find David at Voices.com, also on LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. All the links are in the show notes. You can also find links to Voices.com Sonic logo, which is very cool, and also an example of some Sonic guidelines. There's links in the show notes for that, okay? Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is totally ad-free. I'd love it if you could give the pod a quick shout on social media. Subscribe via your favourite podcast app. You can check out more podcasts at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked David was, why should we hire a voiceover? You know, Dave in accounts, he's got a really nice voice. Can't we use him? Oh, well, Dave in accounts, or we we call our Betty in human resources, <laughs> they very well might have a nice voice. And Dave in accounts probably, though, lacks the training, perhaps even the proper equipment, industry knowledge, maybe some acting experience on how to bring that script to life uh, to deliver a high quality voiceover recording that uh, that you'd need for your project. So I think those are some of the, the, the key factors. The freelance voice actors on the voices marketplace, as well as many other platforms, you know, they're aware of the industry standards in terms of quality. They possess the knowledge uh, on how to record a clear, clean, crisp recording. And, you know, they just have these years of experience. I mean, it was similar to kind of turning to someone like Dave in accounts instead of a voice actor be like hiring a, your your 14 year old niece to write copy for your website just because they had nice handwriting or maybe they got a good grade in school um, but they in all likelihood lack the knowledge of you know ad copywriting or writing for the web um, SEO creative writing so it might seem nice as a bit of a shortcut um, but I don't think it uh, will yield the results uh, that you want uh, in the end. Sure. I, I think you use the word actor as well. I think that's important, isn't it, really? Well, you know, what we found is that a lot of the voice uh, voice talent or voice actors, sometimes we use those terms interchangeably, hmm. but you're right, they do have a background in performing arts, maybe on stage in theatre. Um, and that could have, you know, started in childhood and, and through the, you know, teen and adolescent years. And they pursued acting either on and off. And they realized so much of that trans- translates into voice acting. Really, voice acting and, and voiceover is just, it is acting yeah. behind a microphone. You're not on camera. You're not on stage. But all of these same qualities um, and skills are necessary. You need to learn how to read a script. You need to get into character. There's some... Um, kind of, uh, you know, physicality that goes into, you know, making that script seem real and believable. And there's all kinds of tips that actors use 
to make it feel like they're in front of an audience, you know, maybe putting up a photo, pinning up a photo of a loved one or um, so they can feel like they're actually talking to somebody and having a conversation. But you're right. It, it, you know, voice acting is just acting behind a microphone. Yeah, I suppose if you take a normal actor, a normal actor might say, I don't know, be, be performing a doctor. That might be a role in a play or TV show or something. And they're a doctor and they've got to they've got to look like a doctor. And then a voice a voice actor could be voicing, I don't know, some sort of script for some sort of medical practice, for example. And they've got to sound like they know what they're talking about, haven't they? Well, they have to and they and they actually have the disadvantage of not having the the white trench coat that looks, sure. you know, and the and the ballpoint pen sticking out of the uh, out of the, you know, uh, paper, the pen clip on the front of their uh, breast pockets. So that becomes a uh, a challenge for voice actors who don't have those visual cues. So how might you know to use your example, John, how might a, that uh, voice actor, you know, portray that they're a physician or a doctor? Perhaps, perhaps it's a kind of slower drawl to the voice. There's more authority. They, um, they, they actually have to know how to pronounce uh, a four or five syllable word as yeah. if this yes. is just common parlance <laughs> and, and terminology that they're very comfortable with. Yeah. And so it really comes down to getting into character and being comfortable um, you know, with the script and the copy and make it sound believable. There's a phrase in, in acting that's, it's referred to as you want the audience to suspend disbelief. They know it's not real. Sure. They know that what they're seeing or what they're hearing is not real. It's just a performance. But there's that moment where you actually do believe. So you're suspending the disbelief and you're actually believing that this is real. And that's when you know you've got a great performance. Yeah. Uh, so when we're thinking about kind of matching a voice to our brand or something, we've got our nice corporate video. It looks absolutely beautiful, but we need some some voiceovers on over the top of it um how do we go about matching a voice to to our brand well you know there's there's a bit of a process here i think first off you know you might want to be reflecting on your brand's why you know why did you get into the business mm -hmm. you know what who is it that you're trying to reach um and you know that kind of emotional connection so to drill into kind of focusing on the emotional connection that you want to create i think is is definitely the first uh, thing to do so if you, you know, you, if you have a distinct brand voice, you know, you open, it, it does open you up to the possibility of achieving that strong emotional, you know, connection or resonance with your audience. Yeah. So do you want to create or inspire feelings of, you know, health and wellness and sustainability? You want to convey toughness. Um, maybe you want a reputation for being fun and lighthearted. Yeah. So the sound of what you're, that, that kind of emotion connection, that's going to then feed itself into the artistic direction that you ultimately give that voice talent for reading the script. So if you once you understand the emotion connection, then I would actually advise to this kind of second step, if you will, of creating a character sketch. So imagine if your brand was a person and they walked into a room, yeah. what would they look like? But more importantly, in this context, the context of sound or audio only, what would they sound like? You know, if, yeah. if they could say words, you know, and uh, what we kind of what is the tone? Do they have a particular accent? Um, dare I say, are they male or female? What yeah. is it? You know, what age are they? So truth be told, they're probably going to look a lot like your ideal customer profile or ideal client profile and marketing. As you know, we call it the ICP. So that kind of character sketch is is going to be probably looking and sounding like that ideal customer that you're trying to reach. And from our research, what we found, John, is that people want to buy from people who sound like them. Yeah. 
So it's why advertisers localize their adverts to the region across the country, even getting down to the city if the area is big enough because they want to jump that localized spot. So advertisers are trying to, you know, why, why is it the brands or advertisers are trying to do this? They want to create that emotional connection between the audience that they're trying to reach and that important message that they have to share. So going back to this idea of creating a character sketch, who is it that, you know, is, that you, if your brand walked into a room, what would they sound like? And then that becomes, I'm going to say the role. Um, so the role who's going to narrate, it's not just a narrator, you know, are they going back to this? Are they a medical professional? Are they a corporate executive? Are they, you know, a sports announcer? So who's the role? And then what's the style? And that kind of goes to this being fun and lighthearted. Are they tough? Are they serious? Are they sarcastic? Um, you know, are they witty? These are this artistic direction. So that's really what you're trying to draw out here. The role of the, the, of your brand, um, if you could personify them, and then the style, the manner in which they're reading. Do you think there's trends in in kind of voice voiceovers? It, it, oh, absolutely. We've you I know mean, each what's, year. What's popular now? Yeah, the most popular one right now is we've you know created this archetype. Um, what we, you know, I guess affectionately call the, um, the approachable expert. Right. And you can think of this, you know, character as being the guy or gal next door, the friend, your, your friendly neighbor who is always up on the latest in pop culture. They always have the latest iPhone. They know about the next movie that's going to be released. They've got the latest and greatest apps, social apps that you've never heard of yet. And they, they kind of are in the know, but so that's kind of the expert part of it. But the yeah. reason they're approachable is because they share this information with you as if it's a secret or they're, they're looping you in on something that they know, but they have this uh, insight or this knowledge that they want to pass on to you. It's almost like they say, I'm going, hey, I've got something interesting. I thought you might want to know kind of a tip or an idea or a thought. And that just draws people in as if, knowledge is currency and information is currency. And so this approachable expert, um, approachable is, and, and, and to kind of round this out, John, the, the, the approachable is that they're not doing it in a condescending way. Sure. They're doing it in a help, genuinely helpful manner that, hey, I thought you would find this helpful to know. And so that's by far and away the most popular archetype after scanning and this isn't survey this is like actual data from the hundreds of thousands of job postings on voices uh, voices.com that we see um and kind of going through what are these character types these trends that tend to kind of bubble up bubble up what is it that people are seeking so that's um definitely one there's you know some some other ones like you know I, but i think probably the least popular that most people think of is like that traditional father knows best announcer from yes. the 50s and 60s i think <laughs> yes. people would definitely be very dismissive of that kind of being spoken down to yeah. um they want to be more you know spoken to like a peer or an acquaintance that's looping them into a conversation not the kind of hierarchical um tone that would come across in that announcer voice so yeah. for whatever that's worth i would kind of guide towards um, that approachable expert and certainly away from the announcer. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, th I think here in the UK, we went through a stage where the, so, sort of like everything was a little bit Queen's English and everybody was talking like this and telling you exactly what they thought. And then, and then I think 
we went down a route uh, where everything was very generic, so you couldn't actually tell where anybody was from. It was in- mm-hmm. incredibly generic voices and generic sounds on, on radio and television all over the place. And now I see trends, um, local accents coming back into it. So if you're up north, you're talking like that. And, and, you, and, and you know, people can, I don't know, people can sort of like um, align themselves with these people a little bit more. They sound more like you and me, if you know what I mean. Exactly. And, and I think that's where there's something almost like, you know, if you will, primitive where your ear just kind of clicks to go, oh, that person sounds like me. Yeah. It, it could be as simple as a word uh, in the script. It could be even how it's pronounced. But you, you do recognize it's like when you go to another country and you just are you listening to, you know, ads on TV and it just sounds completely foreign, yes. even though it's still in English. Yeah. And so the kind of the inverse of that is, oh, wow, the more localized, um, the more targeted, if you will, to the people we're trying to reach, um, you know, and it, and it could come out in the form of, you know, you know, jargon or industry, you know, terminology in uh, a corporate tr- a corporate video or promotional video that you're using. Um, you know, if those words are the words that your audience uses, then go yeah. for it. You know, it's you're you're speaking their same language. But if it's some, you know, g- you know, general mass media um, conversation, you probably do need to be a bit more generic there. But I think all in, it's like just again, going back to this point of, you know, who is it that you're trying to connect with? And the more that you can sound like them, I think you're going to be on the right path. Yeah, it's funny you say that, because uh, I think when I listen to living in the UK, when I listen to like um, US um, voiceovers and things like that. A lot of the time, mm-hmm. I think. A lot of the time, I think to myself, "Stop shouting at me! Stop shouting yeah. at me! <laughs> Calm down!" Well, and, and, and in um, you know, I'm I'm from Canada, so I think there's a, you know, we we definitely are, you know, I think have the, a global reputation of being, you know, one of the nicer, polite uh, yes. countries in the world, and um, it's a bit of a stereotype, you know, but you know, truly, people people do bump into somebody else, and then they apologize, you know, they say, Oh, sorry, yes. sorry about that. Yes. Um, and that actually comes through, it's it's almost like a national joke at this point. And yeah. it does come through in almost that tone of being apologetic. Yeah, uh, come through in advertisements and other kind of yeah, it's exactly so, it's exactly the yeah, same it's, here. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's the same here in the UK. We bump into someone and we apologise, or somebody bumps into yeah. us, we apologise <laughs> to them. It's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Really. So, so if we've got a whole load of videos, we've got multiple videos. Maybe they're short videos which we're going to be using on social media and that. Do you, Do you think we should stick to kind of like one common voice, or do you think we should mix it up a little bit? Well, I think you know, like most things in, in marketing, it it depends. If you're creating a series. And then let me break that down. If, if you're creating a series, what well, makes sense to focus on one voice? The followers of the series are likely to become comfortable maybe with that narrator. Um, they've come to expect that series, you know, quote unquote, sound in a certain way. Um, but with that said, it's also possible to introduce more than one voice as the host um, at the beginning of a series. So yeah. one example is um, take HubSpot uh, Academy training videos. Uh, sure. HubSpot cycles through a handful of folks in their academy training videos who become each in their own right become familiar hosts um i i know it's not a, a an audio only experience um but you know peloton you know the kind of i, I they're more than just kind of the you know stationary bike yeah, i mean it's yeah. it's all kinds of physic uh you know uh, fitness and and other activities right through to you know meditation and and uh stretching and you can have an audio only experience but you actually become um, you know, these people become your guides. So 
whether it's one or multiple, I think, you know, there are situations where, where both work. Now, if the video is not part of a series and it's for a one-off, you know, a specific campaign, I think you can definitely afford to have a little bit more freedom there. Uh, you may choose to stick with, again, that one voice who's that audio ambassador for all of your content. Sure. Or if you're trying to reach kind of a distinct audience and you want, you know, that distinct voice to match up for, you know, customer-facing advertisements or um, promotions, uh, that audio content for different regions of the world, then naturally you're just going to need to to switch yeah. it up. But there's no hard and fast rules, John. I mean, I, I'd say that we found that companies are actually creating sonic brand guidelines, just like you'd create a visual identity or right. a brand guideline. Sure, yeah, yeah. And they've actually expanded that to include how and when they use audio, um, when they use voice, when they don't, and even the musical genres that would be considered to be quote-unquote on-brand. So those are some, you know, kind of a good uh, takeaway and maybe you can shoot you a link afterwards for consideration in, in the show notes of how yeah. we've created our own sonic brand guidelines might be a good reference uh, reference material for those uh, listening. But consistency in brand voice is, is certainly critical to audio success. Um, it just doesn't mean it has to be a singular voice. It could be, um, you know, a variety so long as it's going to be kind of span um you know, be effective for the brand over the entire uh, lifespan, uh, lifespan of that brand. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Sonic brand guidelines. I like that because we spend so much time on guidelines for our flipping logo and and all the content and the, the colours and how everything should be laid out and the images and things. Um, it's nice to see audio being being put into that as well. Yeah, and, and you know, even a musical selection, you know, yeah. that, that can evoke a lot of, uh, you know, uh, energy or response uh, in and of itself. You know, are we having classical music on our on-hold messaging on the phone or is sure. it going to be kind of Hawaiian, you know, easy breezy music? Yeah, it's yeah. a very different, you know, um, kind of emotion. Again, that emotional response. Um, even, you know, as you mentioned, you know, in the, in the U.S., there's this tendency to kind of be a little more over the top. And yeah. this feeling where it sounds like you're they're shouting at you. And, you know, that could be certainly dial back and tone back in terms of the performance uh, where I'll, I'll reference this approachable expert. Somebody who's approachable is not going to be yelling at you sure, on a street yes. corner. They're going to be more looping you in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's get into the practical side of things. So if we're going to be hiring a voiceover to do some, do some work with this, do we write the scripts and give them the script or should we hire a script writer? Um, well, I, I, I think if you have if you have experience in writing copy, I mean, you're going to know your business best. Mm. Um, the if you can write the script, I mean, the voiceover can't get done until there is a script. Um, sure. So I think that's uh, an important uh, note. Most voice talent and voice actors, they are they are actors. They're not script writers. They might be able to um, perhaps edit it um, just for flow. Yeah. But uh, one of the best pieces of advice that was given to me is write it like you would say it. Yeah. It's very different than writing, you know, uh, writing a blog post with bullet points and, and kind of numbered lists and so forth. You're probably doing that for SEO or maybe some other reasons of, of readability and scannability. But it doesn't always flow well when you actually are reading it aloud. So whether you write your own script, which is totally fine, again, depending on the content, if it's a if it's a phone system or if it's a you know promotional video that might only be 
30 seconds is really only a couple hundred words. It's, it's sure. a few paragraphs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that might be kind of a first crack, but please, please, please read it aloud. You're, you're not being the voice actor, but you just need to read it aloud to make sure it flows. And if you're stumbling on over your own words, in all likelihood, the voice talent is going to have the same challenge um, and it just might kind of cut down on some a little bit of back and forth. I think I think both is fine. Um, the voice talent, as soon as they get into that recording studio, they might invite you to tag along uh, where you can actually listen in and you can provide some you know, artistic direction in real time. And that's just doing a, could be as simple as a, a, as a Zoom call where you're both uh, on the call at the same time and they're recording through their recording software um, or even FaceTime or Skype. Um, but basically that does, that's referred to as a live directed session, if you want the industry yeah. jargon on that one, yeah, yeah. but it does kind of allow you to, um, you know, ask, you know, to, to nail kind of some more of the nuance of where you want the emphasis. You don't want to put, you don't want to put the wrong, uh, emphasis on the wrong syllable, if you know what I'm saying. So you want to yeah. put it, all, get it all correct. And you also want the speed and, and kind of tone as well. So if you can, and the talent's um, amicable to having you participate on that live uh, recording session, certainly take advantage of it. But the talent don't need you there either. Most hmm. of the time, you're sending the script to them, they're recording it, um, and uh, you would get the file back. And you know, hopefully they hopefully they knock your socks off with a great read. Yeah. So w would a voice actor read something word for word? So I'm thinking of the situation where I've written a script and it's not particularly brilliant, but but it's OK. Uh, and I'm using words like they are instead of there and things like that. Um, would a voice actor kind of like read around your script or would they just stick to every word as it's written? They're going to stick to every word. And I have a funny story about this. Um, it was a children's it was a children's basically mobile game. Mm. And the script was simply said read the alphabet and the recording came back with the words read the read alphabet, the alphabet. <laughs> and that, that was the script it said the file is called script and that was the and you know it's 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 same it come come down to websites are you saying www.website.com yeah. or are you saying www.website.com yeah. or in california as cringeworthy as this is sometimes i hear um, triple dub dot like you just oh. hear weird things right yeah. Uh, well uh, yeah I, I hear um, dub 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 a lot dub 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 yes exactly yeah. yeah yeah so um if you want that you need to write that in the script um same thing with uh, toll free or free phone you know is yeah. it 1-800 or 0-800 how are how do you want that or so i think those are the kind of things that you absolutely want to write out verbatim you don't want to have the read the alphabet example come back with your script. Yeah. Uh, so you've touched on it already, but how does the recording tend to work? We kind of like email a script, it gets recorded, audio sent back and everything. Um, you mentioned we can actually be there during the recording. I bet the voice actors love that. <laughs> Somebody hovering well, over the micromanaging. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe just to take a quick step back on, on the process, because um, I think it's it is yeah, pretty straightforward. Yeah, sure. It actually all starts with, you know, posting a job. Um, you know, most freelance marketplaces start uh, with the job posting and, and sure. Voices.com is no different. You post a job outline. What are you looking for? So it's a voiceover yep. job. I need, you know, I'm looking for a female uh, voice, um, kind of the language, the accent, the age range. Um, you know, the gender and, and then you kind of get into, all right, what, what's the performance, what's the character I'm looking. So we have this kind of approachable expert or this, 
kind of friendly guy or gal next door. All right. Yeah. And then um, the script of what you want read. So this is why I say the script is a bit of a prerequisite, John. You got to you can attach that or even at minimum a sample. Maybe it's the first paragraph or sure. first couple sentences. And then, of course, you know, your budget, what you're thinking of um, for this project, it might be, you know, 100 to 200 dollars, maybe kind of 100, 200 pounds, something in that neighborhood for um, for that voiceover for, you know, that's 30 or 60 second uh, video. And then we uh, at Voices.com, anywho, we actually um, take those inputs of your job and we match that up with the most qualified voice talent who have experience in either performing that character or doing that kind of specialized work um, and invite the most qualified talent to reply. The talent audition for you. So you're not hiring them blindly. Right. You're actually hearing talent record that portion of your script. And this allows you as an entrepreneur or a brand manager to compare apples to apples. You're listening to your script and compare. Actually, I like I like their interpretation or no, they, they're they're too energetic. They're over the top. And you can yeah. go through pretty quickly. The ear is very sensitive to tuning in. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. And ultimately, you're going to find that, you know, one person out of the 20 or 30 people that reply to you in really the first 24 hours, you'd um, if you find that person, you just click the hire button. Um, that's H I R E. Uh, okay. and you'd go through and be able to, um, make a payment in advance, um, by credit card. The benefit of doing so is for the talent. You're in effect booking their time, sure. right? So yes. you're, we hold the, uh, the payment in a, what's referred to as an escrow account, basically yeah. holding it in trust on your behalf yeah. so that the talent has the peace of mind that they're guaranteed to get paid. And you also know that the payment's being handled. You don't need to worry about kind of any contract negotiation or anything along uh, those lines afterwards, we disperse the payment only once you're happy with uh, with the recording. Sure. So that's kind of this moment where, you know, brings us up to the present of doing that recording. Talent can, you know, you have kind of an, a, another opportunity to change the script if you're like, hey, my original sample script was this, but I've changed a few things. Here's the final script. Yeah. The talent can either, you know, just record that and send it back to you or if you want to coordinate, you can message the talent and say, hey, can we hop on a FaceTime or a Skype video and uh, or a Zoom and actually do a recording live? You're right. Some talent might, um, some talent love it because they feel like I'm just going to nail yeah. the record. I'll, sure. I'll nail the artistic direction. I'll, I only need to do this once. Um, and the, there's kind of fewer, you know, uh, back and forth, if you will. Uh, other talent may just to be transparent. They may say, "Hey, that's you're actually taking more of my time." There might be a yeah. you know modest um, you know additional charge. So it's best if you really want that. I would advise that like if you want to provide that live artistic direction, just describe that in your job posting. Set the expectation up front so they're not like, "Oh, well now I got to coordinate my calendar around your needs." Um, but in the end, you know they're they're going to deliver that broadcast quality audio file, you know, it's an MP3 or a WAV file, and then you can use it for, uh, for how you see fit. Um, and there's, and then the process just finishes off with some, uh, ratings and reviews. Um, you get to rate the talent 
um, which helps them out uh, secure that next uh, gig on the on the freelance marketplace. Well, one of the things that always springs to mind with me is that is um, somebody I spoke to ages and ages ago was a graphic designer, uh, and he hated it when, when people used to do all these revisions all the time, revision after revision, and he just wanted to turn around to people and say, "Look, I'm the expert. I've had low, years and years of experience of this. You don't know what works best. I mm. do." Is there a little bit of that in voiceover world? Because I can imagine. You know, I've been doing this marketing lark and and stuff for a while now, and I know there's folks out there where if you're on the phone to them and they're working with you as you're doing it, they'll be telling you to do things that you know are, are not best practice that won't mm-hmm. work. Uh, how do you get around that? Well, the talent, um, I mean, hopefully there's an appreciation that you are hiring experts, but you're right. Yeah. There will be the... Um, you know, that, uh, that persona who believes that they do know best, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. they have limited experience in that. So I uh, sure. definitely hear you on that. Um, the way we've tried to preempt, um, kind of the unlimited indefinite revisions yeah. and, and re-records is, uh, right from the start. And so when the talent are replying to your job opportunity, uh, your job posting, not only are they recording that audition and they're providing you with a quote of how much they're going to do the work for. So you get a some price certainty there. They're also, um, uh, you know, denoting if they have what we just call a revision policy, sure. which basically is most of the talent we found, they say, hey, up to two revisions um, if needed. They're just trying to put some goalposts around it so that should you fall outside of that, you know, you're not coming back three, four time. And, you know, in all reality, I think talent want to do right by you as, as the client um, but they also don't want to feel like they're being taken advantage of. Yeah. So yeah. if, you know, they'll, they'll say, Hey, two revisions, sometimes they might do kind of three and but when it gets to four or five, you know, it's, <laughs> and, and the script is changing, that's really when the talent starts to go, Hey, this is actually a different project than yeah. the one we started with. Yeah. Um, as a general, you know, rule or guideline that the talent follow, they say, um, you know, in, kind of bluntly, if it's my fault, I will do the recording. I will re-record this. If I if I mispronounce something, I said the river Thames instead of Thames, or yeah, yeah. you know, whatever. I just I I didn't see that word that was there. I missed a word or I mispronounced it. Absolutely, they will re-record that. Now, if you as a client, however, um, are changing the script and that was no longer you're adding a whole new paragraph it's like well suddenly the scope of work has changed sure and that's where there might be you know that kind of tough love type conversations like hey i said i'd record a few edits but this seems to be you know this the script seems to have grown legs the next thing you know it's like three pages instead of two yeah um and, and i think you know the takeaway here is it's it's just important to kind of iron that out be clear about you know how many revisions you might need and if you need the talent are going to tell you the, the you know they'll, they'll they'll definitely do it if it's their issue um and and they and know that they're coming from a good place that yeah. they want to make you happy um but in 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 turn i think we just ask hey let's also honor the talents um that voice talents kind of time and expertise um in in not uh, taking advantage of their generosity yeah i think you're right the, the graphic designer guy i spoke to was on his 18th font 
Eight, oh, and it's like I just can't decide on a font, so we'll do eighteen. Yeah. And it's like it's ridiculous. Listen, David, yeah. um, f- fascinating chatting to you. I could talk for hours and hours about this. Um, where can we find you? Where's all your website, social media bits? Sure. Well, um, for me personally, the best place would be LinkedIn. It's just David Cicerelli. Um, same on Twitter. I've been writing a lot on uh, Medium about mm. the industry and and audio and uh, kind of the audio revolution, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and it's davidcicerelli.medium.com. The website, of course, is voices.com, uh, where you can sign up for free and, and hire that great voice actor for uh, for your next project. Fantastic, David. Thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Right back at you, John. Thanks so much. Thanks again to David for his time. Don't forget to check out the links to the Sonic logo and the guidelines in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.